for the fourth uh, Sonic Talk episode entitled Episode Sonic Talk 4, Episode 2. No cursing edition. That's right. And with us this week, we have uh, GX Echidna back again. I have a hat full of mollusks. And uh, from our own Sega Bits writing forums, it's and Sega 54 How's it going? And also later in the show, we got Ken Balu from, uh, and uh, Kelly Parker from Sega. So it'd be great to hear that in a little interview later on today. Okay, first up, uh, what we've been doing this week. I have been playing uh, more Binary Domain on the Xbox. And I just got Street Fighter Cross Tekken for the PS3. Which is pretty awesome. Uh, that looks so awesome and all those trailers and stuff. Yeah, it's not like Marvel vs. Capcom, which was very uh, more of a simple button-mashing style of gameplay. This is more traditional. It's closer to what I'd say uh, Street Fighter X-Men vs. Street Fighter was, where you got all six buttons. You're doing all the combos like that. And the only major difference is there's an easy combo you can do by pressing like a hard kick and low punch or low punch and hard kick. I'll give you like an instant six-button combo, or there's some other move you could do. But there's also uh, gems, kind of like the Infinity Gems from Marvel vs. Superheroes. You collect those during the game, and you can add those to any of your characters to power yourselves up, and you can have like instant block or easy special moves or something like that. But so I need, far... some... I need you to switch the subject soon because everything I've heard of that is just making my face red right now. <laughs> Anyway. I'm trying to be nice this time. <laughs> anyway, yeah, well, this is Capcom, so... Uh, it, oh, the game someone doesn't like Capcom, huh? Someone is getting progressively more irritated at Capcom. I think, what was my phrasing before? Capcom has become the Japanese Activision. Yeah. Did you see... Uh, uh, the, yeah, there's some you see... should know that, yeah, the reason this is is because <laughs> there is a character's that they're making you buy that are on the disc. Uh, oh, God! Oh, oh, no, gosh, that's not, darn it, them! It's not even that. Apparently, also with the gem system, uh, from what I've heard, is that if you buy the special edition ones, you get gems that are essentially perhaps even better than the ones that you can actually get in-game. So basically... I thought they were ones that were just unlocked uh, bef- uh, instantly instead of... Uh, something like that. I don't that's, that's, it, I'm okay with that. I mean, if you can unlock them in the game, that's fine. But I, if they're exclusive, then I wouldn't care for that. Well, I, from what I understand, from what I've heard about it, it sounds like they're exclusive. But, okay, okay, I'm dropping the subject. I'm dropping the subject. Okay. Wait, dude, hold on. Uh, they misspelled their own name in a recent trailer. At the end oh, of the trailer, God. it said Capcom. It was totally misspelled. And that after the Resident Evil thing, that just made my day. How do you misspell Capcom? It's your own logo. How can he screw that up? That's insane. Already made up the logo. It was like C A P. It was like certain letters were reversed, then one was repeated. It's so oh funny. Gosh. Anyway, I just thought I'd say that. Maybe, maybe they were making. Maybe they were making fun of the Resident Evil Revelations mistake. Hmm? Hmm? What's so weird is why? How come Japan never uses verses anymore in a title? Everything's like cross or I got a Godzilla DVD or adventure. Called, yeah, I got a Godzilla <laughs> DVD that's called Godzilla against. Mega, Mega Godzilla, like they're maybe, going maybe up versus is too cliche now. In any <laughs> case, uh, we got we should probably move on a little bit. Eh? All righty, uh, what you been up to, Knuckles? 
Well, let's see. I have bought myself an ultra book, which is kind of this really super awesome, super super ultra thin laptop, which uh, with um, eight me- six gigabytes of uh, of memory and uh, is really super awesome to replace my old busted up gateway that just died on me, which resulted in me losing all these articles I was working on. Sorry, Sonic Stadium. I had a few things. Few, few things for you guys to announce is all gone. Aside from that, I've also been been doing some research uh, on on uh, Game Gear games for an upcoming Sega Bix feature. Tales Adventure. And, uh, no. Tales Adventure. Um, no. Tales Adventure. <laughs> no. Play no Tales game. Adventure. That game's yeah. hard to find. And plus, Tales is stupid and no one likes them. Then you clearly Whoa. haven't played Tales Adventure. Tales is stupid. Anyway, I got Vampire uh, stupid. Master of Darkness. Oh, my face is stupid. Well, your face is... Gosh darn, there's no cursing edition. Um, okay, well, I got Vampire Master of Darkness for my Game Gear, which is far superior to Tales Adventure. Um, I also got Aladdin for the Game Gear, which is kind of stupid. Um... Mickey Mouse and the Castle of Illusion or something for my Game Gear. I got that one. And, uh, nice. Let's see. There was, there was one other thing. Um, oh, huh. I can't remember it. I guess that means it was probably stupid. But anyway, yeah, I've been doing some Game Gear research. And uh, I've also been playing Sonic Triple Trouble on my Coleco, little Game Gear Coleco handheld thing that has 20 Game Gear games built in. So... Doing some additional research for that too. Really fun little Sonic game. We'll be going to a lot more Game Gear talk uh, later in the show. Yeah, uh, Game Gear's awesome. Yeah. Okay, what you up and up to, GX? Well, uh, you know my kind of lukewarm reception to uh, Sonic Generations 3DS. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I beat every mission and I'm 90% through all the A ranks now or S ranks. <laughs> So, needless to say, yeah, it's it, it has kind of grown on me, but part it's, of that is definitely the fact that it is kind of, yes, a Sonic game. It's funny, <laughs> yeah, I, I have the same reaction. I don't really care for it that much, but I keep playing it anyway. <laughs> or I kept playing it. I, I beat all the missions, too. I what got I, all the unlockables. I guess what it kind of is is that it, I feel like maybe it the camera is too close for its own good. Because it just gets to the point where maybe if you could see more the more of the level, you could appreciate how much of the flow the levels actually have. But without being able to see all that far ahead, I mean, it just gets down to straight stage memorization, which I'm not a big fan of. Right. Yeah, but, I, can, I can see that. Some Game Gear games had that same problem, I think. I just oh, feel Game that Gear. the original levels that they designed for this that weren't out from the, the you know Genesis ones just seemed very flat in comparison. Yeah, but even the well for the old one for the um, classic Sonic, I would say there's definitely an element there. But for the modern Sonic, there is just this one path that would be very difficult to transverse. That's just. It is the path that you need to do in order to get the S ranks to get your time down. Right. But uh, other than that, uh, I've been trying to convert a lot of my media to a more compact digital format, which basically means um, 
I've been playing a couple older SNES or NES games, and one of them which I've actually had the cartridge of for a long while, and I just never popped in, was Blaster Master, which is uh, honestly, if you if you want to know what Metroid for NES could have been, it is it is a fantastic little NES. Oh, it game is that, a great game. Yeah, so. I, my only regret is that I had it for so long and I never popped it in sooner. Yeah, they have a, a game a Game Boy version on the uh, 3DS Virtual Console. I noticed, but well. I want to hold off until I beat uh, the first NES one. Ah. Okay, and Sega? Yeah, just to go back to an earlier discussion for a second, Tails has enough weapons in his uh, Mystic Ruins base to destroy the entire world, and I guarantee you he's capable of that. Um, as far as the next suck. bit of, as far as the next bit of what I'm doing, um, no, Tails does not suck. Sucks. He's well, he he doesn't heroes. In heroes, he sucks. Everywhere else, he's pretty. He's Every, pretty cool. Everyone sucks in. Sucks. Oh, sorry. That's true. Everyone Being does nice, suck I'm in heroes. Nice. But um, yeah. Otherwise, um, not doing a whole lot. I just got Mass Effect Three. I haven't played it yet. Um, what else? That's probably about it for video games. And oh yeah, um, I wrote up. Today I just wrote a random blog post about binary domain. I thought they could have marketed it better, and I just posted that on my Twitter. So if anyone likes reading my stuff, you're welcome to it. Uh, and that sums it up. Yeah, I could agree with that. I think it was a great game that didn't get enough uh, hype to it. I mean, we, we here at SegaBits, I think, did more advertising than a lot than pretty much anyone else. Yeah, I, unfortunately. I, I hear it's. It, I'm guessing that if it does anything, <coughs> it's just gonna get some good word of mouth because I I've heard primarily positive things about it from my various news outlets. Yeah, I actually enjoyed it I more think, than uh, Gears of War as a third-person cover shooter. Yeah, the problem is that, really like... Only... I, I do yeah, find on. that the game does sometimes have a, a lack of direction. Like, literal lack of I, I'm not always sure where to go, but uh, I, I don't know if that's just me or what. It's I just let my guys me. run ahead of me if, I'm, Honestly, if I get lost. I have I, I have gotten lost in gear games, so, so I'm, I'm probably not the best judge of uh, of of, that, of this sort of game. Apparently, <laughs> on, in uh, the UK, it debuted at like 39. Like it really, really bombed. Like it sold worse than like Dead Island for that week. Like it really. I was never. I, I never expected it to, to do particularly well. I mean, it's like it's a. Sega game, and it's not a major franchise, so... That's like coming right than, up against Mass Effect, too. It's worse than Yakuza 2, though, I think. or that's It's really not a good number for the UK. Well, it did really good in Japan, but that's because of the, uh, of the you know, director being from Yakuza. And right. Yakuza being so famous in Japan, of course, it really and helps. So Shia Nagoshi being an absolute rock star! Well, you also yeah. don't want to go up against Mass Effect with that kind of game. Yeah, and that's what I mentioned in my thing, too. Tendency. Yeah, um, these well, unique games right next to these games are very similar, but so much bigger in fran in franchise name recognition. Like and when when they released Nights into Dreams just a month before um, Super Mario sixty four, it's like yeah, that game didn't stand a chance. No, well, the worst <laughs> well, one it was on the Saturn, so it didn't stand a chance. Hey, 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 the worst one. Nineteen ninety six. Saturn was still young. Go Shakes. The worst one was Residents of Fate on the same day as Final Fantasy XIII. Yep. <laughs> Residents of Fate. Yep. Oh my God. <laughs> Talk about how to kill a game. Day. 
Yeah, yeah I think Yakuza Three was oh Yakuza Three or Yakuza Four was also on that same day. Yep, the same. They're all in March. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry. Did you have any more to say? No, I was gonna say um, what drives me crazy is that it was originally Binary was supposed to come out in January, and they delayed it at the last minute to February, which made no sense to me whatsoever. Because all the internet advertising went up in January too, and then nothing after that. So it was just kind of a huge missed opportunity. That's about it's possible, it. Though. It's possible something went wrong while they were trying to localize it. Maybe, maybe uh, they. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how this stuff works. But you know, when, when it comes to game development, there's always something that might screw screw things up and delay something. Yeah, maybe. It's sad though. Yeah. Okay. Now on to our Sonic news, which will be pretty short because we. <laughs> We are here less than a week from our last recording, and there's barely been any news at all. We just got some uh, Game Gear news, or Game Gear for 3DS news to speak about. Uh, The first three Game Gear games, which will be released next week on the 3DS Virtual Console, have been priced. Uh, Sonic Triple Trouble's coming in at $4.99. Shinobi is coming in at $3.99. And Dragon Crystal's coming in at $2.99. So what do you guys think really makes the price differences. Do you think it's just demand, or...? I think it's exactly it. I think they're going with which game they they think will sell the most, and pricing it at that. I think... Logically, I think it's a good strategy as far as pricing goes. I think so, it's mostly demand, but also maybe a little bit, perhaps, with how big the game is. I do believe Sonic Triple Trouble is one of the bigger games on the Game Gear. That that wouldn't surprise me that much. Have any of you guys had experience with Shinobi? Yes, yes, I have. It's, fanboyism, uh, it's, as, fanboyism aside, how good is it? Um, honestly, it's 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 a Shinobi game. Uh, it, it's really I wouldn't really say it's as good as Shinobi Three on the Genesis. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's only sort of like kind of it's a good Shinobi game, but not a great Shinobi game. Okay. You know, it's it, it's not like a, it's not a, it's not a bad Shinobi game, but it, it does what it has a unique spin on the formula. You got to you got to um, rescue these. I think three other ninjas. These other different ninjas have different capabilities, and um, it's a bit like Mega Man, I guess, in that sense, where then you, you can then switch between the different ninjas who have these different weapons, mm-hmm. um, and has very. Uh, very non-linear level design. You can attack any level. You, you can you can do the levels in, levels in any order. Okay. But the level design, I'd say, it, it doesn't quite have that Shinobi flair that I expect from the some of the better games in the series. Okay. But of course, it's a Game Gear game, so there are limitations there. I, I would say it's probably better than the Master System version of the original Shinobi. Okay. Okay, and now the other little piece of news. Two brand new Sonic uh, Game Gear games, well not brand new, but Sonic Game Gear games will be coming out later this year possibly. They have been rated by the Australian uh, board, and the two titles are... The two best Game Gear games ever made. Sonic Blast and Sonic Labyrinth. My yes, favorite. Sonic Labyrinth is sucks. Just awesome. <laughs> Just super awesome. I, I will say I, I will say this. I think I would rather play Sonic Labyrinth than Sonic Blast. I I, I disagree. I I go the other way. I. To me, Sonic. The problem with Sonic Blast is that Sonic Blast is just such a. It, it it's such an imitator of what the big games are doing, and then just 
it, it can't possibly succeed at trying to emulate that Sonic and Knuckles Genesis style, and it falls so profoundly short. At the very least, Sonic Labyrinth is something different. I haven't played Sonic Blast, to be honest, but every video I've seen, it looks like a badly made Java-based game that you some guys, fanboy made, you know? You guys really have to get the Sonic Adventure DX for the GameCube, because that has... I, 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 I have it. Oh, I have that, but you have to unlock everything. It's not unlockable right from the start. I know. Technically, uh, I think these games are also available on the Sonic Gems collection. Not Sonic Blast. Uh, yeah, that was really? not... I didn't even know about Sonic Blast till last year when I was collecting up uh, Game Gear games when I got my Game Gear. Personally, I, I, I played Sonic Blast a lot when I was a kid. It, it's what I would personally consider just a a, a typical Sonic game. You know, nothing spectacular yeah. about the level design. Uh, well, no, 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 no. Don't, that go, is don't say typical. typical. <laughs> it's very flat. Like, well, not ex- I'm trying to say it's not like an amazingly made Sonic game with um, with brilliant level design and all that stuff that we'd expect from it's a... It's not even g- mediocrely made, though. I, no, I would argue that it's mediocrely made. It's um, it's fairly linear, but it, as far as I'm concerned, it gets the job done. It has a lot. Just because something is a line does not necessarily mean you get to just call it linear. So it's not linear. No, sometimes there's two lines, and they're both straight <laughs> and flat. I believe we call that branching. Okay, yeah. I'll, it's been a little while since I've played the game. I don't remember it having any branching paths. It doesn't. Just being a. <sighs> I will say I will say this though, Knuckles, uh, Shakes, uh, and Sega. If Tales Adventure for Game Gear does come out to the 3DS Virtual Console, do at least give it a try because it is not just a regular Sonic style game. Oh yeah, I, know. Like I, I played it. It is. I know, an... I know exactly what it is. I just hate Tales. <laughs> I have it on Game Gear. See, that's why Side Blast is better than Tales Adventure, because it has Knuckles in it. And Knuckles makes everything better than any Tales game. I will agree Knuckles is cool, but... Tales... Really, I think that's the only reason why I, I, I played the game as much as I did. Here's the thing. Because... Can Sonic yeah. fly? Can Sonic uh, fly? <laughs> he, he, he can double jump, but he cannot fly, because yeah, he does Sonic... not need to fly. Tales Sonic is wrong. Can run very he can fast. fly. He can reach the other side of the rainbow. Can I remind you that Tails can run just as fast? <laughs> no, he can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you play Sonic 2, Sonic can go way ahead of Tails. Yeah, so there. Comparatively, I guess maybe Tails, slightly. Tails more. can kind of kind of keep up, but he's definitely not in the same league. But Knuckles can glide, he can climb, he can smash through walls. Hey, hey I'm not comparing Tails everyone. to Knuckles here. I'm saying Tails is just as good as any of the other characters. <laughs> That's because you don't have taste. <laughs> it's because Tails is lame. I do not like him. Yeah, I know how you have no heart or soul or love or any, any kind of emotion that is... I lack generally... all emotion when it comes to tales. Sure you do. Sure you do. You keep thinking that, bud. Anyway. Tales is a horrible blotch on this. <laughs> so, Shigs, tell us, what's all next with the interrupting <laughs> Knuckles? Yes. 
Anyway, on to our comic talk. We don't have any comics to speak of this week as we went into 234 already last week. So we're going to be discussing what our favorite Sonic artists are on the Archie side of things. Um, my three favorites are probably Patrick Spaznati, of course. He does those brilliant covers. Um, I probably would have gotten to the comic a lot sooner than I did, but every time I'd go to the store, I'd look at these epic Sonic cover, you know, thinking, oh my god, there's going to be some great story going in. Then going, uh, opening it up and either seeing uh, Ron Lim's horrible artwork, or uh, Art Mawenny, who did great artwork, but was very cutesy, Care Bear, this is very much a kitty comic. Only in the later issues. Only in the you later issues. <laughs> You know what a perfect example of that is? The one where Sonic gets shrunk down and injected into his friends. The disparity oh, between the cover oh, and the actual God. inside is just... I remember that. Dave Manick is such a big difference from Patrick Spaziente. I mean, just... They have this awesome-looking cover. It's like, wow! So awesome! Like, Look at all these so profoundly cool colors! Disgusting and <laughs> it's so detailed. But, yeah. I mean, realistically, well, you Dave, can't... Dave Manic. <laughs> it's unrealistic at that point to just expect them to to have that quality match the entirety of the series. But still, yeah. it's it's just a hilarious disparity. <laughs> I really like that Wolfpack cover where you see the, uh, oh, uh, the Wolfpack there. And you go, I don't know who did it. It said Manny Hands, Manny Hands or whatever. And it was just the worst artwork I think they've ever had in that book. As I, as I understand it, Manny Hands is just like a... Um, a term that they that they use to like when they have just a bunch of artists just throw all this shit together, oh, all this stuff together, um, and um, so. Anywho, uh, my other uh, two, I guess, would be Tracy Yardley, who really helped to uh, define the way the modern Sonic comics are since 160. There's been less, a lot less of the old humanoid style, you know, kind of furry look to it and much and, more of the having the proportions the way they're supposed to be and his artwork is always just so great and he's uh really open to the fans i mean i'm i was so happy to have uh, him work on my own web comic it is nice to have ones. some consistency because there is if you go through that series there is some weird divergence <laughs> yeah pre and flynn it was just crazy even uh stephen butler stepped up and done the yardley and Ben Bates style now. And that's the other one, Ben Bates, who, who is kind of like Art Mawinney and that he has kind of the cutesy look in it, but he also has very much an action-packed uh, Tracy Yardley, you know, smooth style to it as well. And uh, he's uh, quickly becoming one of my favorites. I really like his work. Okay, uh, Knuckles, how about you? Let's see. Um, this is going to be a little hard. Uh, obviously, Patrick Spaziente has to be in there. Um, another guy whom I think really came into his own during the Knuckles series was Manny Galan, and, uh, the third guy I think I'd give to Kitten Penders. <laughs> no, no, um, uh, no offense to Kenny, I've never been a big fan of his work. Uh, well, I think um, I think when you really worked at it, it's actually pretty good stuff. It's just I'm, pretty honestly that now I'm getting into well what, between which which of these three guys because there's a uh, Ben Bakes who just has this really 
consistent solid style he's always been very consistent very good throughout the entire book ever since he started um he's done really good covers really good covers better than tracy yardley's in all honesty because really solid line work and then we have um uh someone who was mentioned in the less favorite artists um uh, Art Mawany, whom I think was really, really good in the early, uh, earlier Sonic comics, before really the whole adventure, uh, adventure style change. That's really when he kind of went all Care Bear on us. But before that, I thought he was definitely, definitely one of the best artists in the book. And um, finally, let's see. I think I have to give it to give the final. Um, let's see, Scott Shaw, I think. Oh, who, uh, surprise! Well, he he's got this kind of, this very nice kind of cartoony style. It really it really went well with um, adventures. Of, it really did feel like something that kind of came out of. Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, except with actual order and style applied to it. And I think Dave Manick never really was able to replicate uh, Scott's line work, I think. Yeah, Scott Shaw's a good choice. I mean, he's been around for a while. He did uh, Captain Carrot and the Amazing Zoo Crew for DC and a lot of Hanna-Barbera stuff. Pretty much any Fruity Pebbles ad you've seen was done kind of by him. I guess it looks... It looks almost kind of animated at times. It's just very solid stuff, I think. For, uh, Scott Shaw's working. I like. It's a bit of a shame that he had to leave the book after the original miniseries. Yeah. Uh, okay, she is. Yes. Okay, I don't think <laughs> he has. I don't have an opinion, but I, I just devoured this really nice bit of pizza that I was eating, and it was pretty heavenly. But so what yeah, you're saying person. is the yeah, pizza yeah. is your favorite artist. The pizza yeah. would definitely be my favorite artist. If pizza could draw, everyone in Sonic would have uh, these cool pepperoni hair style things. They would yeah. all have uh, extra cheese, and they'd all be super awesome. Really greasy. Yeah, definitely. That would be an issue. Sonic would go so fast, he'd slip and just collide with the, the ground. The page would just be coated in grease. Oh, yeah, absolutely coated. Taste the pizza. Mmm, pizza. But, yeah, that's all I have to say on that subject. Yeah. My issue is I don't necessarily know all the artists by name, maybe by style. So I'll just say um, uh, Spaz, Yardley, and Jughead. Jughead? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I don't think Jughead's he a real person. He works over at Archie. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't draw, though. I bet he does at some point. <laughs> I think the only pictures I've seen him draw are pictures, or pictures of hamburgers. There we go. How about you? How about the? Uh, how about the? Um, I think his name is uh, Seth Green. No, wait, no, Seth Green. Or am Seth I Green's of the a, man, but I don't know. No, okay. There, there's <laughs> another guy. Oh, Sanford okay. Green. Okay, Say fine. Sanford I'll Green. just change it to Yuji uh, Naka then. There. He doesn't. Oh wait, yes he does. No, I think it's Nioto Oshima who draws in on Sonic Team. Yeah, it was Nioto Oshima. Okay, Miyamoto then. He's a cartoonist. Yes, but he draws Mario. 
Mario and Sonic are in game stuff. <laughs> they compete in the Olympics, apparently. And I wasn't serious about that Sanford Green suggestion. He's terrible. Uh, his his covers were terrible. Okay, fine. Then oh yeah, the, the old droopy fa- quills. I know. My next favorite will be Shigs, because he was in the comic. <laughs> Ah, 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 ah. Ah. I Whatever I can say to get out of this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, we'll be back with all three of us in just a moment. Right now, we're going to have our little interview with Ken Ballow, and uh, you'll be hearing a little bit from Kelly Parker as well. Enjoy. Okay, folks, we're here for the interview portion of the show. Uh, we have with us uh, Ken Ballow. You say hi, Ken. Hi, everybody. All right. Uh, Ken, uh, what exactly is your position at the Sega, and what do you do? Sure. So I think despite um, popular belief, uh, my job title is actually Digital Brand Manager for Sonic the Hedgehog 4. So what that entails is I come up with the um, marketing plan for a specific product. So... Marketing will include everything from the way we advertise the game to the product positioning. Um, and then, of course, we work with community and PR to come up with a strategy that works. You know, this is how we're going to uh, communicate it to the public. This is how we'll communicate to press um, and just come up with a, a whole plan. And usually what I do is I draw up and I'm not kidding you. I draw up a big calendar up on a whiteboard and we just start throwing things on the calendar and saying, OK, this month we'll do this. This month we'll do that. And it would basically outline an entire uh, campaign for a product. Okay, Alex? Uh, what other games besides Sonic 4 have you worked under? I have actually worked on a ton of games since I've been in this industry for about 10 years now. Um, but are you asking specifically about what Sonic games I've worked on? Oh, no, uh, any games I'd be interested in. Oh, if, wow. you want to it, if you want to narrow it down, uh, sure. But um, So I've worked <laughs> on a ton of games. Um, I've worked on, uh, let's see here, I worked on um, Star Wars Battlefront. I worked on Battlefront oh. 2. I worked on Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings. Um, I worked actually, uh, when I was at Lucas, we um, did a re-release for a lot of the old uh, scum games. So that's C uh, S C U M M stands for uh, single oh, click yeah, user. Yeah, the point and click. So I did Monkey Island, uh, Indiana ah. Jones: Fate of Atlantis, Full Throttle, um, and then I did basically. I worked on Galaxies. Uh, worked on a game that was done by a developer called Planet Moon called um, Armed and Dangerous, which is actually kind of funny. Uh, oh yeah, I love that game. Yeah, that had one of the best cutscenes. It was just <laughs> hilarious. What was um, it? A black hole shark gun? <laughs> yeah, there was a black hole gun. There was a shark gun. Oh, I remember that one. Gun. Yeah. You're looking at me funny. Like, you haven't seen this guy? <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Um, and then, um, you know, at Sega, I've actually worked on um, uh, Sonic and the Black Knight. I think that Sonic and the Black Knight was the first game that was completely led um, uh, by myself. Um, but when I started here, I worked on Sonic Rush Adventure 2. Um, Sonic Zero Gravity. I worked with Judy Gilbertson on Sonic Unleashed, which was definitely one of my favorite projects. Um, I've worked on the Mario and Sonic franchise. I worked on this really challenging game called Sharen the Wanderer um, for the Nintendo DS. Uh, that was quite an interesting experience. Yeah, that's a roguelike, isn't it? 
very roguelike, um, but it was very unforgiving. Um, so it, I think the easiest way to describe it is it's like playing a Final Fantasy game. And if at any point in the game you die, you basically lose half of your equipment and you go all the way back to the beginning town and back to level one. So every leveling you did is just wiped out. And I was like, there's no way we're going to be able to sell this. That's just that is so difficult. Um, but there is obviously a, there's a, a really hardcore um, group of fans who love that kind of style of gameplay that's incredibly uh, difficult. Um, so anyway, that, that was definitely the most challenging game I worked on. Uh, I worked on Knights, um, the Wii version. Um, and then we've re-released a ton of games digitally. You know, I've worked on everything from re-releasing Sonic the Hedgehog 1 to Sonic and Knuckles. Guardian Heroes, uh, we brought that <laughs> one back. That was a lot that of fun. That was a great one. Yeah, oh, yeah. We're, we were so, so fortunate to work with Treasure. Um, and they actually are a treasure of a developer to work with. Super easy. Um, let me be incredibly creative with that one. So we brought that one back as well. Um, and then, of course, uh, it's just kind of been building. You know, I've worked on a lot of franchises. But Sonic 4 has definitely been my, um, I want to say, my, my baby. Uh, at, at Sega, you know, that's definitely the one that I've pushed uh, really hard to, to get it made. And, um, you know, the development team and the community and the PR team, we've all really come together and worked very closely to launch, uh, you know, something that we feel we're, we're really proud of. Okay. Now, I pretty much know what the answer is myself, or at least I have a good idea. But many people in the Sega community want to know uh, why Tails isn't playable outside of the co-op as far as him being in single player. Sure. So that's actually a very straightforward uh, answer. Um, the reason Tails isn't playable, it, it has a lot to do with level design. Um, in, we, in order to... How's the best way to explain this? Sonic has certain abilities that when you play single player, um, gives you uh, a certain way that you design the level around. Um, Tails has completely different abilities as far as like what he does. So if we were to do Tails alone, um, we would basically have to recalibrate the levels um, to, to make it work within the confines of what Tails can and cannot accomplish. Um, mm -hmm. So that's basically what it comes down to. It comes down to, uh, which we, we can do. It's not that it's impossible. You can totally design levels around that, but it basically requires a much bigger development and a lot more time. So it's something that can be done on things like, you know, when we were looking, say, 20 years ago, you know, when we still had, you know, the Genesis was still around, you know, those products cost, you know, if you take inflation into account of what it was, they had basically a box product budget. So you can do bigger level designs that take those elements into account. But when you have the confines of a budget and time-wise for something that's a digital download game, you know, there's just some things that you're going to have to sacrifice um, in order to bring the consumer the same value at a much, uh, you know, essentially at a fraction of the cost. So um, you're not paying $50 like you did back in the Genesis days for a box product. You're paying anywhere between 10 to $15 now. So um, unfortunately, that's just one of the things that, you know, we couldn't accomplish within the confines. We'll be bringing a ton of other stuff, guys, but the amount of resources it would have taken to, to, to tweak that level design would have just exceeded what we were capable of doing. Okay, Alex. Um, uh, can, can you go into the plot of the game? I sure can. Um, awesome. Plot of the game is kind of goes back to the Genesis days. So when we were looking at um, 
how we were going to do Sonic 4 as a saga. Like, I, I always refer to it as the Sonic 4 saga. You know, we were thinking, well, what are the things that we want to bring back? And, and ultimately, I think that when you look back, Sonic 2, Sonic 3, Sonic & Knuckles, they tell this very complete story of what was referred to as the Death Egg Saga. And it had a very, fi- you know, it had a very clear start and a very finite finish. And, you know, we, we didn't know it. We wanted to sort of like open the hood on that again and start messing with that because, you know, that story was, was so well done. But we knew we had a great game with Sonic CD, and that was a, a real fan favorite. And we felt there was more we could do with the story there than what had been done in the past. So we figured, well, here's what we'll do. You know, instead of going back and sort of opening up the hood on, on, on what the Death Egg saga was, why don't we come up with a, a new story but builds on the elements of Sonic CD? And one of the cool things about it is that Sonic CD never really had a place within the Genesis games. You know, it could have taken place after Sonic 1, it could have been taken place even after Sonic and Knuckles. I mean, the reality is that that particular game um, didn't really have a, a set place within the canon of when it took place. So one of the things we did with Sonic 4 was we said, you know what, we're going to make sure that we establish right now that all of these adventures take place prior to Sonic 4 Episode 1. And then what we'll do is we're going to sort of bring in the elements of the stories of Sonic CD into the numerical canon. So that's why we set Sonic CD up as a prequel. And then in Ep 2, you're going to actually see the reveal of why the levels of Ep 1 were so important. Like, why do we go to those zones specifically? Um, and you're also going to see how Metal Sonic comes back to life after the events of Sonic CD, like how he comes back. Um, and we're going to sort of unveil a much larger story um, building off the elements of Sonic CD. So um, Sonic CD was always meant to be a part of the whole Sonic 4 saga? It was, it was. It was definitely, you know, like I, as I mentioned, you know, we, we, we said from the get-go that we wanted to bring the story elements from Sonic CD into the numerical, system, into the numerical franchise. Um, so it was always intended that CD would be the, 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 the quote-unquote prequel to Sonic 4. Um, and so that's why we released Episode 1, and then later you saw that we released uh, Sonic CD. Um, it, it's, it was all so, you know, you guys could... And fans who for example, maybe never played Sonic CD or didn't have a, a, a Sega CD, would be able to enjoy and experience the game, and then you'd have all the key components you'd need to sort of really get all the cool reveals that are in uh, Episode 2. Hmm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Now, it seems that some of uh, Sonic 4 Episode 1's more harsher critics seem to be happier with the direction the physics are going this time around. Even... When I look at lurk in the uh, Sonic Retro forums, you seem quite a bit happier with that. Um, can you go into detail on what uh, dynamics have changed in the physics from the uh, first episode uh, to this one? Sure. Um, so I think that uh, right off the get-go, you're going to notice some differences. And I think the best way I say this is you'll notice three big changes right off the bat, you know, within the first 10, 15 minutes of playing the game. Um, one of it is we took fan feedback and made sure that we took out the uncurling when he rolls up a hill. So now Sonic will, you know, when he rolls up those hills, he'll stay within that ball attack form. Um, And the next thing is to start making it, start pushing the game towards having momentum style physics that are more similar to the Genesis. Um, It's impossible for me to simply just swap out an engine and say like, hey, we're just going to 
you know, put the retro engine within the Sonic 4 saga, because it doesn't work that way. Um, If we actually put that engine in there, we would literally just break the game. The game would simply would cease to function because the things that we need the game to do, the values that we need to have within the game simply won't exist um, if we just plug in the engines, you know, apples to apples. So what we did, though, is we, we got a little bit closer. So the next thing you'll notice is that uh, Sylvania Zone is a great example. So Act 2 of Sylvania Castle, um, if you, you, it starts off at the beginning of a big hill. So if you actually put Sonic towards the edge and you just sort of tuck and roll Sonic, like don't spin dash him, don't charge him up, just have him tuck and roll and go into the spin, into the spin ball and let him roll down naturally, you can put your controller down actually and he will not only keep rolling down that hill, but he'll actually pick up speed and then roll off a ramp, for example, and have it very similar, in essence, to the way we did on the Genesis. That sounds that great. Make lots of things happy. <laughs> so that is things that we definitely were able to accomplish. Um, the next thing that we did is, and this is, was a big complaint, um, was that when Sonic, for example, when he would jump, if you stop putting input into the analog stick, like right or left, depending on the direction you were going, he would get to the sort of the top of the arch of that jump and then just plummet like a rock because you had stopped putting input in the analog controller, so literally Sonic just stops. Um, so what we did now is that if you, as long as you have forward momentum going with you, if you jump with Sonic, you can let go of the analog stick and Sonic will complete the arch of the jump and he'll keep going forward. So... Again, these are all things that are more similar to the Genesis. I really want to stress the fact that it isn't going to be apples to apples. Like, if you play it and you're like, well, I was expecting it just like the Genesis, it isn't going to be. But it is going to be much closer to that than Episode 1. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it, oh, yeah. it really shouldn't have to because then you would it would seem odd to have the Sonic 4, you know, Episode 1 had animations that have completely different ones for Episode 2. This way, they, you know... Uh, going smoother i think yeah it's definitely closer and we're definitely taking steps like that to make it closer but those are the three big things you'll notice within the first 15 minutes um and obviously the next thing you'll notice is that sonic's animation his running animation has changed we've actually redone a lot of the animations um and in my opinion they, they look a lot better and closer to what the genesis animations were in my opinion all right um what is the most stressful thing about your job um, I want to say that the most stressful, you guys are all going to laugh, um, but the most stressful thing about my job is I actually have to travel a lot, and I am deathly afraid of flying. Um, I am a total, total baby about this. Um, so uh, sometimes I have to fly like to London, or if I have to fly overseas, um, I am up all night long stressing that the flight is going to come down um, because all I can remember is those horrible action films like Steven Seagal and Executive Decision. The whole plane is coming down. And, um, and I had a friend, she was actually going to Japan and she came back and she told me that I guess the turbulence had gotten so bad in the flight to Japan that the masks came down from the ceiling. And in my mind, like, that's when the plane is going to go down. Like, you are totally effed at that point because in the movies when the masks come down, everyone's screwed. So that's definitely the most stressful thing about my job. I can relate to that. But um, whenever I uh, go past an airport and I see these giant, you know, big metal planes just slowly coming down towards the end, I'm like, how the hell is that 
possible that they're still, you know, in the air, not just drop like a stone. Yeah, my my roommate in college was a pilot, and he was like, you don't want to know, Kenny. He's like, if you knew what these things were made of, you'd never get one on one again. And Kelly can vouch for that, because I'm like, I'm, I'm a baby every time yeah, I have to no, travel. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. In, in fact, you told me that I had to sit next to you on yeah. the plane to, yeah, I, whenever possible, I have to sit next to him so that he can grab my arm the entire way. Aww. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um... Has the music changed in style from episode for episode two? Um, is is it still like what we've heard in episode one, or is it Genesis inspired, or has it been changed uh, due to what the community due, due to community input? So the music is something that actually I try to not. Um, I mean, I have input on the music, guys, but I really like the stuff that John Sinoe has been doing. So he basically had a conversation with me at the start of the project, and we were talking about music. And one of the things he had mentioned is that he wanted to do music, for example, um, in the style of the Genesis. That you know, because in the Genesis he only had eight notes to work with, um, because that's all that the you could actually put in the game. So you had to make music using eight different notes. And when we started thinking about Sonic Four as a project, we definitely wanted to have that feel to it. So. Sonic 4 Episode 2 will have the sort of more Genesis-inspired themes, and that's definitely something that we wanted to keep. It was super important for us to have elements, key elements, in the Sonic 4 saga that felt very much a throwback to the Genesis. So music to me, obviously coming from Lucas, you know, and THX and everything, music to me is, is, is half of what the experience is. So we definitely wanted to make sure that it felt very Genesis-y, um, every everything, even from the whole, um, the even everything from the logo, the fact that we wanted to make sure that the logo had the halo and the wings, you know, that you're you're all familiar with in the Genesis, um, that it had the the old Sega and Sonic running past it, all those little elements that sometimes people take for granted. We actually made sure that each of those elements was in the game to give you that Genesis feel. Okay. Without giving uh, too much away, have you been able to try out the game fully for yourself? And if so, what uh, what did you enjoy the most about it? And which uh, zone is your favorite? <laughs> of course I have uh, played the game. Um, in fact, uh, a lot of things that people sometimes uh, don't realize is that marketing, especially on this particular project, has a really great relationship with the producers. And we actually give um, a significant amount of feedback when it comes to the design and stuff about the games. Um, so it's obviously a great uh, working relationship that we have with producers and marketing. And um, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, I've worked at a lot of different companies and, you know, it's not always the same everywhere. But I can say that at Sega, it's a really great symbiotic relationship. Um, and so I think I played it. Actually, I played it this morning. Didn't I tell you? Mm -hmm. I was playing around with it. Um, I think my favorite zone. Uh, it's going to sound a little ironic, but my favorite zone hasn't been announced yet. Um, <laughs> but there is a zone that they, one of the one of the two zones we haven't announced yet is actually one of my favorites. Mm. Awesome. Huh? Uh, and then, of course, you know, my favorite badnik is um, is is the new one of Snowy. Um, in fact, when we were going through the development of the game, I, I saw the snowy badnik, you know, the concept designs, and I was like, oh, I love it, because I'm like, there's a bear badnik, and I, I love bears in general. Um, <laughs> I'm a fat man. I like bears. What do you want? And um, 
So it uh, it was something we, I was really stoked that we actually had a bear badnik. So he's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned that in the uh, concept art on Sonic Stadium. I do the articles on there. I always do little puns on him. Ugh, the puns. Yeah, <laughs> he's my favorite. So, hey, puns. I told him to put badniks in it, but definitely the bear is my favorite. Yeah. Ah, anyway. yes, J- Jason finds it unbearable to <laughs> not use puns. Yeah, anyway, um, how long did it take you to set up uh, the Tails beard of yours from the GameStop interview? Ooh, the Tails beard. So that actually came about because I was working on another project um, called Renegade Ops. And part of the marketing, I wasn't lead on that title, actually. That was a title that was led um, by a gentleman called Ben Payne from our European offices because it was a, a avalanche over in, um, I think, Sweden was developing it. And um, the developers came over one time, and we were all talking. And uh, one of the develop—I mean, these guys are awesome. The like the coolest people you'll ever meet. And one of them is like—I mean, he's literally the size of a Viking. And his name is Magnus. And I'm like, oh, anything possibly more stereotypical, but cool. And I was constantly talking to him, and I was thinking in the back of my head, please don't eat me, you know, because he's he's just this <laughs> Goliath of a man. And they all had these really cool beards. And so we started talking with community, and um, Julian came up with a really interesting idea of us to participate in um, Movember as a charity event and have, you know, the Renegade Ops participate in that. And so we actually started growing out our, our mustaches and beards for the Movember cause. And we started growing it out, and of course, for me, it takes me like what all of an hour. Yeah, and I've got a beard, so <laughs> literally, like the freaking Homer thing, you know, it's like boop, it just comes right back. And um, once we started growing the beards for November, we were like, hey, you know, I got to keep this going because I was actually dressing up as General Bryant for some of the stuff in the holiday party at Sega back in December, and so we were like, you know what? Why don't I just do um, why don't I do the thing with General Bryant and then I shave the or sculpt the stash into the tails beard when I do the interview? And everybody was like, no, you're not going to do that. Like, that's crazy. And I was like, no, 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 this is going to work. This is going to be really cool. And um, uh, there's a gal that works at a creative services division called Mary Disbro. And I asked her what would she would need if I wanted to paint, because my beard comes in obviously a, a lot darker than, you know, tails is orange color. So uh, we went and we got face paint, and she painted my face. And I want to say the most embarrassing thing was walking from the parking lot over to uh, GameSpot when I had to film that. Because I, I, obviously I look like a total tool. And, um, and you know, the receptionist over at GameStop uh, was like... Um, GameSpot was just, like, looking at me funny and whatnot. And it, it was just interesting. And But, yeah, it, it literally it, it takes it took me um, a little bit of time, but, yeah. Alrighty, uh, this question comes from uh, George at Segabits. Mm-hmm. Oh, Levin was already asked. Never mind. Um, well, it's oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you go ahead, Alex. <laughs> yeah. Um, why? Why? When? Whenever you guys make a, when, when, whenever a trailer is made, mm-hmm. uh, why do you sp- uh, splice together all the bumper, all the bumper and automatic sequences? The Sega know that most fans hate this sort of thing. Whenever you, whenever this happens, and people are saying, "Oh, this is going to be all automatic and bumping and running," 
No platforming. People people don't uh, like the bumpers? That's just Well, no, they don't like it when you um, the reason I cut trailers the way I do is um, it's it, it's easy, it's very easy to explain. Um, so when you cut a trailer, really what you're looking for is um, an emotional response from your audience. What, whatever that response is, either you want to invoke the feeling of sadness or be it hope or um, laughter. You're always looking for something that that you know invokes some sort of emotional response. Um, Usually what it what starts coming down to is you have to figure out what is that emotional response that you want? What is it you want to convey? Like do you want the audience to feel like this is an action-packed game, that it's a fast game, that it's a that it's a comedy? What do you want to convey? And then you pick the next step is really you gotta pick the music because the music will set the tone for everything. Um, so once you have those two key components done in a trailer, then you start picking how do I match the gameplay to the beats of the music that are being used. Obviously, you're going to use um, gameplay footage that, you know, or something that you want to highlight. So you definitely say, like, okay, the, for example, the second thing in that trailer I showed was the fact that Sonic didn't uncurl. Like, it was important that I showed that right off the bat. Right. Um, yeah, that got a lot of attention, too. Right. But then after that, it's you, you try and pick the highest action-packed, fastest moments possible that meet the beats of the music. So... Really what it comes down to is you're sort of half creating a, a movie trailer and half creating a music video. But if you don't have those components working together, the trailer looks terrible and it just doesn't match. And there's definitely been game trailers that have gone out in the market and you're just like, man, that music oh, doesn't God. match what I'm seeing. or it's, it, I, I'm totally getting a different feeling of the video game than what it was. Um, so those, if you do a trailer properly, those are the steps that you usually have to take. Um, and then I work with uh, an agency, and basically I review the trailers, and then I go like, oh, well, I want this here, or no, I think that is too long, or I think this is, you know, we need a music that's a little bit different. And so that's why the trailers are cut the way they're cut, is um, is essentially that. The beginning of it, though, is there's always an – I made sure that we did this with Sonic, was that um, at the beginning of every trailer is an animation. And I usually work with the agency and pitch ideas, but usually I've got an idea of what I want the trailer to be. Like I, I know where I want the start, the middle, and the finish to be, and I, I usually have a very difficult time expressing it in words. So what I try and do is I try and storyboard trailers a lot. So I actually have a big whiteboard over in the creative services director's uh, office, and I usually erase the whole whiteboard, and I'll go and I'll storyboard a trailer, and I'll go like, I want the animation to be Sonic is here and then he goes here and then Tails does this and then, you know, and I storyboard it out because in my head it makes sense how I do things visually. Um, and of course, coming from the school of Star Wars, you know, we are always teasing with the first trailer. So that is why my first trailers are always a very, very, very light tease. Um, but again, it's it works because... The minute I come out with one of those trailers, everybody talks about it, and then I come out with a full gameplay trailer, and it's cut to music that I want people to feel emotionally about the game. That was probably a lot more than you guys were expecting, huh? Oh, no, no. That was, that was, uh, actually, that was really interesting. I've never really thought of trailers like that. Right. Um, so, so, so you really use the bumpers and stuff because you know, you're trying to convey excitement. You're trying to get that kind of uh, emotion. 
Yeah, it's the emotion, it's the excitement, it's the, it's the feeling. We want to show you that Sonic is fast, that he's quick in 2D, that it's action-packed. I mean, there's a reason why Jerry Bruckheimer cuts the trailers the way he does, um, and he doesn't just sit there and talk about dialogue for 20 minutes, um, <laughs> and that there, it's all about those wow, exciting moments. And, um, you know, people can say what they want to about Jerry Bruckheimer's films, whether or not they're um, just a, you know, a two-hour commercial for toys or whatever the case may be, but... His films are always very action-packed. They're always very popular. Um, and he does excellent, excellent trailers. And every single movie that I've ever seen that he's doing, it always feels much more epic. And so, you know, those are definitely, um, what would you call them, inspirations that I, I use. Hmm. Um, uh, so the, the Super... The, so the Sonic Super Special Magazine is uh, getting an adaption of Sonic 4 Episode 2. It's uh, not an adaption of Episode 2, so I think I'm going to really? sort of correct that. Yeah, what it is is that towards the end of that magazine that's, I believe, releasing in May, it will be a short story that will bridge Episodes 1 and Episodes 2. Ah, so okay. One thing we oh. wanted to do is... Sonic is a great brand in the sense that it is very ubiquitous and it extends through a variety of mediums. I mean, you have Sonic on the television, you've had Sonic in comics, you have Sonic this. I mean, it's almost like the Spaceball scene, right? Sonic the flamethrower. Um, <laughs> basically, you've got a lot of mediums where Sonic is there and there's no reason why, even though we're doing a digital game, that we shouldn't take advantage of that. So my first experiences when I was here at Sega is that we did stuff like that for Sonic Chronicles and the Dark Brotherhood, and we worked on a comic for that that told the prequel story to Sonic Chronicles. Um, we did one for Unleashed. Um, we've done them for several. So when it came time to do Sonic uh, 4, Episode 2, we're like, why don't we do a prequel story here and sort of bridge Eps 1 and Eps 2 together in this medium? That sounds fantastic. I mean, Ratchet and Clank, I think they did the same thing with um, Crack and Time and All for One. They had a whole comic book in between that's yeah, great to hear no it's great and honestly you'll probably expect that a lot more in projects of mine at least because really i really expect to you know one of the things i like to do is make sure that we're using all the different mediums because what if you are a comic book reader and you didn't know the game was coming out that gives you that what if you're a gamer and you didn't know that there's a sonic comic book it's just a great way for people to you know pick up other stuff and sort of get that storytelling in different mediums Okay, well, thank you so much for being on our show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah that was some great stuff. Yeah. yeah, I'm happy to be here, guys. I'm more than happy to do these things. All right, uh, that's just great to hear. Um, so we, uh, Sonic uh, 4, we should expect it uh, this spring, I believe? Yeah, it'll be out coming out this spring. Um, it'll be available on the... Um, Xbox, the PlayStation Network, it'll be available on all your iOS devices. Um, it'll be available on uh, Android, Windows Mobile 7. And some of the cool things we did is we just made sure that like each of these devices has something really cool to offer. Um, for example, we teamed up with NVIDIA, and we've got a great partnership with them. And the Tegra 3 version of Sonic 4 Episode 2 looks really close to the console. I mean, it is stunning how good it looks on your you know if you have a, a tegra 3 be it phone or tablet um it just looks absolutely stunning um and then of course things like windows mobile 7 what was funny is last year at gdc 
I was talking to Microsoft and we were like, hey, you know, we know you guys are doing these really cool things. I want to do it with episode two. So this year for GDC, I've announced that um, when you play Sonic episode two or Sonic four episode two on your Windows Mobile seven, you will actually be able to use the cloud saving, save your game, turn on your Xbox when you get home and pick up (laughs) right where you left off. All right, transferring uh, on episode two. Yeah, <laughs> we are awesome. pushing the envelope on things like this, guys, because we think that they're really cool, and so why shouldn't we enjoy them? Exactly. That's the Sega spirit right there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right at the forefront of innovation. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate this. Thank you, guys. Okay, uh, okay that's been Ken Ballo and K- Kelly Parker. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks. Thank you. And we're back. Thanks so much, Ken and Kelly. That was uh, just an awesome interview. You know, guys, I really like that interview. I think I think my favorite part was in, uh, whenever they announced Sonic 4 Episode 3 and Sonic Rush 3 and Sonic uh-huh. Ger- Generations 2 I, and how they are going to merge the Archie and the Sonic universes together. Oh, I yeah. really uh, love that part of so Yeah, he hasn't heard the interview yet, guys, but... Uh... Yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, okay, on on to our game uh, talk for the week. It's going to be Sonic Advance, the whole Sonic Advance series. Yay! Woo! All right, I remember the first one. Uh, so the first one was the premiere of Cream the Rabbit just before Sonic Heroes. No, the first one was not the pr- premiere of Cream the Rabbit. Cream the Rabbit did not come in until Sonic Advance 2. Yeah, Cream Are you yeah. sure? I am 100% absolutely... Yes, he did not come in until Sonic Advance 2. He's completely correct. Okay, my bad. You see, Sonic Advance 1 was actually... Actually, Sonic Advance 1 is heralded as one of the... um, One of the better or best modern-style Sonic games because they did a reasonable job actually keeping the physics in check, keeping his speed in check. Very true. That's something I was going to bring up some of the same... It was made by some of the same people who did a uh, Sonic Pocket Adventure, uh, uh, people, uh, which was made by SNK and some people from SNK later left to make to form Dimps, and some of the same people worked on both games. And of course, Sonic Pocket Adventure was kind of the swan song of classic Sonic in a lot of ways. Now, help me out. If I, I am I just crazy in imagining this, but help me remember, was Sonic Advance? Published by THQ. Yes, yes, it was. Okay. North America, yeah. Yeah, which is okay. really odd. <laughs> when Steph Sega, was they, they had a uh, publishing agreement with Sega, I think, throughout the Game Boy Advance era, but then okay. in the, but then with uh, the DS, Sega took over. I think right. THQ might still do it in Australia. I think. Okay. Anyway, so Sonic Advance one. They, uh, instead of just picking ass Sonic, you got to pick a Sonic, Knuckles, Tails, or Amy. Uh, that well, that was still it made a, a enjoyable to have a, that you know many options and the characters. I, like, I that, may be the only person in the world who actually really liked playing as Amy at that game because it really it, it changed the formula up to a point where you actually had to think about attacking. You couldn't just jump into something; you had to jump and then time an attack. True. Yeah, I, I think I actually rather enjoyed playing her playing as her as well. Um, see, a lot of people complain, oh, Sonic is shitty. Oh, pardon me. Sorry. Damn. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, Nick. we're going to edit that part out, too, in addition to my comment earlier. Sonic. So, George, George, we are editing this. Remember, George. 
And I'm just Thank going you. to be a single tone the whole time. Every word I speak will have to be edited out. <laughs> All right. Well, Sonic and his spiffy friends, you know, people complain about that. But really, it's it's the how drastically the gameplay changes. And, you know, when you're playing Adventure or Adventure 2 and you're playing as Knuckles or Amy or Big the Cat, it, it's so drastically different where in advance... They all play similar. They're all in a high-speed 2D platformer, and they only have slight differences between the four of them. Yeah, it's, it's basically a case study of how you do a Sonic game correctly with multiple characters. It exactly. Really kind of, it shows that, no, the friends were not the problem. The problem was that the friends kept doing very different things, like fishing and treasure hunting and shooting, things that are not very Sonic-y and not why we play the games. Sonic Advance understood that. Don't you like how I was talking, yet Knuckles was opening his mouth? <laughs> I've been railing on that subject since, I don't know, episode <laughs> three or four on my podcast or something. That is really? Always, that, that is one of the prime things I will always argue about, about the relative, uh, the relative crappiness about attitudes towards the Sonic franchise and how basically 90% of bad crappy attitudes towards the franchise are over stupid things. Yeah, and like that would the be green stupid eyes. thing number 1. <laughs> yeah, okay, now now I get what you were saying. I thought I was talking over you. Okay. No. <laughs> so I, you were speaking through me or maybe I was speaking through you that I was whole time. I was possessing you. You, you if you <laughs> felt your foot falling asleep right there, that was me. Ah, that explains it. But um, yeah, and but um, I I thought Sonic, the original Sonic Advance, well, fun. I don't know. I I th thought it was like kind of slow or something. There was something I did not like about that game. Well, I, I not not like. I I did enjoy the game decently enough. It's just I didn't love it. It's very uh, white gray. I th yeah, I think that perhaps it just it didn't have quite the um, same amount of uh, of um, design that the kind of intelligent design that I was used to from Sonic games. So it was good design, but not not like really good. I mean, you feel it was uh, wasn't anything really innovative to it compared yeah. to the other ones. Of course. Nowadays, if they, if they were to release a comic like a game like that, it'd be like, my God, they finally done it! They finally made a an amazing, spectacular Super Sonic game. Well, that that was kind of that weird point where, I, did this come before or after um, Sonic Adventure Two Battle on the GameCube? It came on the sa exact same day as Sonic. It Adventure came on the Battle. exact same. So this was before. This is before the whole stigma got attached to the series, and generally speaking, people probably didn't really care. People yeah. didn't take notice because, well, first off, people didn't take notice because it was on a portable, and people never take notice of portable Sonic games. It's just... Yes, yes, it, that's another thing I've been saying on my little Sonic Stories thing. People ignore the portables for some reason. It got it, great it, reviews, though. It did well with the yeah, critics. Yeah, it got nines. It got really yeah, good but reviews. So did, so did Sonic 4. I mean, Sonic 4 no, no, got... this got better reviews than Sonic this 4. This got even better, yeah. This was well, even better. I'm, I'm not disagreeing there. I'm just saying that it, the reviews don't always mean that it's in the mind share. I suppose. 
Yeah. The graphics look nice. I don't remember anything about the game, but I remember the visuals when I that played is, it. I thought they were great for a Game Boy Advance game. That is I one remember. thing that I will say this franchise, that the Sonic Advance series did really well. It's very few platformers or just 2D games in general have such intricate sprites. Have you guys ever seen a sprite sheet of any of the Sonic Advance games? Because it's insane. Yes. It's really well animated. It's well. I think really the good only sprite work on those. The, the only games where I've seen that kind of sprite work that I can remember is Earthworm Jim and uh, Wario Land Shake It. But those are well, games where they actually just played up the fact that it was all like hand animated and cartoony and everything. They didn't even highlight that kind of graphical element whenever they released it. But. Yeah. It was just such an it was just such an amazing, interesting, important part. The only downside is that I felt like, and this kind of, this kind of goes into why I I'm not super super hot for the series, but the level themes and the level colors just don't seem to mesh as well with it. it they seem almost a little bit, a little bit washed out, in a matter well, of speaking. You, um, while, while we're there, while we're talking about levels, there is one level I really remember from that game, and that is the uh, the floating island level, which ends with you fighting me- Mecha Knuckles in an epic battle of epic proportions. Which is and a really like, had all these, battle. Yeah. They had all these, like, fangs. It had all these fangs and stuff. And um, it, it was probably one of the more unique levels in the game. So I remember it also being very frustrating. It, there are a lot of bottomless pits in that, and a lot yeah, of those weird jump, the, the weird kind of bouncy platforms that you can't always control well from, because you don't always have your momentum from whenever you bounced on them. You kind of it kind of resets his momentum a little bit. That's true. Um, as far well, moving on as far as uh, Sonic Advance Two, that's. <laughs> it was a little bit different. We're starting to see a little bit a more. A little bit different. Yeah, more yeah. modern dimps level designs in here. We got the premiere. Well, it's, yeah. it's where the stigma of hold left and boost to win got started. Yeah, though I wouldn't completely say that was completely true with that game. But I wouldn't the, either. This but was where true. we first saw like the Sonic after images and stuff, which when, I remember at the time, I thought the idea of Sonic moving that fast through a level and leaving after images of himself was the coolest thing ever. It still is really cool. <laughs> I mean, it, I it hasn't ceased being it cool. Kind of, um, with, but the thing about Sonic Advance 2 is you only got that when you did well enough to go that fast. But then you got Sonic, Sonic Rush, and Sonic Rush Adventure, and Sonic Unleashed, and suddenly it just became a thing that you saw everywhere because you just because it was just a boost button away. What advent What Advance Two did though over the other two was that you actually had to earn that. You can't just yeah. get it right away. And then there was always that satisfying. You there was the sound and the animation whenever you like hit. Ah, I remember the, that. The sound Sonic Boost. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah. And it, it's like you broke through the sound barrier. So you know one thing I found really irritating about that game was the accessing the emerald levels. Oh, I, all, I, I say this right away. All, there are no good Sonic Advance special stages. No, oh, and uh, the accessing I, them were, was, I remember the was surfboard a pain in the butt. One. My God. 
The problem is they don't play too good, and to get them is a is a real hard task to begin with. Especially in banks too. Advance 2 is particularly bad because not only do you have to get the rings, but the special stages themselves require such precision. There aren't enough rings in that stage. You have to get combos in order to succeed in that. And that's not always easy because the turning is difficult, your view is limited, your it's just it's difficult. Plus, it's uh, really where the start of those bottomless pit-style stages you know, came about. I mean, just the, the was it the second world alone? There's a, a whole mess of areas where you could just fall to your death instantly. Yeah. Not a great trend to see starting there. It's another. So, it's another one of those. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say. Go on. Go on. I was just going to say it's another one of those issues where it's just the trend of you. The camera just seems way too close, and I mean this. This might just be a matter of Sonic being portable that might just be a sonic portable thing that there is never enough screen real estate for him without making sonic look utterly utterly small but it just feels like going back now today that you cannot see very far ahead of you that was my thing with sonic rush because when you just you would just i would fly right off just because i know or hit something just because i couldn't see it in front of me it was like you go really fast and all of a sudden boom you hit like this cactus or something in the middle of the path and that always bummed me out so what do you think of Sonic Advance, of Sonic Advance 2? What, me personally? Yeah. I don't remember if I played... I know I played Sonic Advance 1. I don't remember if I played 2, so I can't say for sure. But I totally believe, like, based on gameplay stuff I've seen, that it's like kind of more the start of, like... It's becoming more dimps than Sonic Team. I still it's kind of like how Sonic Heroes started the, the enemy uh, life bars and stuff. And... Right. Not enemy rooms. <laughs> I still Not think it gets all. way too much crap for what it for what it deserves. I mean, I think it's still close to being on par with Sonic One as far as quality goes. Uh, Sonic like, Advance, yeah, two? Advance Two, but Advance Three, I just did not care for much at all. Yeah. Before, before we move into Advance Three, what Sonic Advance Two did really, really right and did really, really coolly, aside from Cream, were the <laughs> bosses. And well, I mean, oh not, yeah, I, the, the the bosses were the coolest. The, the way you had to chase them down and stuff. <laughs> they t- they took some of the concepts from the Sonic and Knuckles boss fight, but you really had to. That was a very complex thing to do because there was a lot of momentum involved. You had to be very on top of how you were going to react to things, how you are moving, how you're going to get out of the way because. It, in all honesty, those boss fights are pretty slow. It takes a lot of yeah. effort to try to get up to hitting the boss, and you have to be very cautious about when you move, because if you move at the wrong time, it could really cause you a lot of pain, and you can't just pick up your rings as easily as any of the other stages. Okay, as far as yeah, Sonic Advance Three goes, that's when it, they changed up the formula way too much. They have that maze-like hub world that was hard to get around. Then there's the uh, tag teaming between uh, Sonic and Tails, or Sonic and Knuckles, or Sonic and Amy, or I will actually anything else. That really, uh, it really slowed down the game for me. I really enjoyed myself. playing as Sonic and Knuckles. Especially with Knuckles on top and Sonic as the sidekick. <laughs> I thought we weren't going to get into that. <laughs> get into what? 
Never mind. Never mind. I, I'm I, not, did, I did think I'm it was cute. Judge when you, how your mind works. I did think it was cute when you picked Sonic and Amy, and she'd go woohoo and put her arm around him, and he just looked <laughs> all all troubled and sad. Yeah, there that were some. Uh, there were lots lots of special special uh, combos. I think. That, that's kind of one of the things that actually made it really interesting is that it, it expanded move sets. You not only got the characters themselves, but you got modifiers that you could put on the characters. And I, I know some people complain that maybe you might lose your character at some point and maybe not see them for the rest of the stage, but that was very, very easy to counteract. They actually made the button to bring them back to you. So that that was one criticism of it that I never always that I never entirely got. It, it, another I, I guess you could say another thing that maybe it didn't do well again was how you got to the special stages. Collecting the Chow in the different stages was a bit odd, but yeah. it at least encouraged exploration at the very least. Yeah, I was definitely much more of an explorative one. It reminded me of Sonic CD in that way a bit. What What about the whole premise of that one? The fact that there was the Alex, um, could you please stop moving around? I can hear every little shuffle. Now you're my doing. Uh, microphone started rubbing on my shirt. Okay. What? What? Why? Why are you rubbing your microphone on your shirt? I'm moving my. I, I, I'm. I'm looking look, around look, a little bit. I know I have a sexy, seductive <laughs> voice. <laughs> look okay. Okay. Don't. Right. George, you have to cut that out. No, it's that's not. Sorry, man. That he won't. <laughs> cut it out, please. What? What about the? Um. I mean, the whole premise of it kind of builds off of what Sonic Battle did with the whole Gizoid concept with the transforming, going against the same kind of boss guy each time. What did you guys think of that? Uh, Honestly, I barely remember the boss fights. Yeah, it's I, been I so long there, since I played there was it. This one level, there was this one snow boss fight over a chasm, and it was a real pain in the butt to fight. Basically, I, basically, like every other level or something, you would always fight against, like, fake not, not you know, like the Emerald guy only yeah. what is it, Emerald? G- I think I think it was Gmail yeah. or something. There was it's two ones. There was Gmail, yeah, yeah. There's Gmail and then Emerald. Gmail. Emerald. Uh, yeah, I didn't know who that one was, um, but I've heard well, of it. I heard it before. You, that's where you check your emails, right? On G- <laughs> it was but, Gmail before Gmail was Gmail. Uh, <laughs> Emerald was from Sonic Battle, which I guess we could leave for another show. But that's uh, was a gr- awesome, awesome game. Hmm. Sure. Let's go with that. Whatever. <laughs> Let's continue on Sonic Advance 3 and all of its... I don't know. What what else could you guys say about it? Um, um, it was pretty. <laughs> had, had, some, had some more unique level locations, I think. Yeah, I did like the uh, one where you're... Uh, it was a multicolored level where you're bouncing on piano keys and stuff, and it's all a music Oh, yeah. Level. Are you sure that wasn't two? Or, no, no, Music music Factory or something um, was three. I'm thinking of the Toyland. That was two. Yeah, Toyland was two. Music Factory, I think it's called. I, I forget exactly uh, was three. And that was, that was a pretty unique level. I like that one. It it felt like in three, the, in the way that they went with the graphic design, they started to focus more on outlines, which I think made it a little bit more distinct than the other ones. 
things didn't seem... The bad guys in 2 and 3 are kind of... They seemed very bland because compared to Sonic and the others, they were so limited in animation that it just felt like they didn't fit. Yeah, that happens sometimes when you put so much detail into your main characters that the other characters tend to lack by quite a bit. So I, I all I remember is that at least with the fact that they took more of an outline approach, that they made the levels slightly more distinct, that it kind of helped a little bit. Another thing that um, Advance 3 did that's a little bit unique compared to the others was the fact that the music changed between each act. Yeah. I'm guessing I'm the only one that remembers that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know why I would be the expert on Sonic Advance 3, but apparently I know certain well, strengths. I, I that was the first Sonic game where I couldn't even get past the, the I think it was the third level or fourth level. Well, that, that, no level. that particular game was not as memorable to me because I hadn't played it in like five years. So I played Sonic 1 and 2 about one or two years ago, so I played those again yeah. recently, but not 3. I kind of, I kind of feel like again Sonic Sonic Advance Three maybe gets more of a bad rap than it deserves, but I, I think at that point maybe one of the reasons why it gets a bad rap is because at that point that is the third Sonic Advance game that is the third Sonic game on the Game Boy Advance that is of that style and it's not all that realistically different than the other two, so I, I maybe it just. I, I wouldn't really say it's because of that. I think it's because the whole stigma towards Sonic games was beginning to become uh, was beginning to grow at around that point. Of, of Sonic yeah. I guess, kinda. That, that's to, part of it. To Dimps' credit, though, they didn't pull a Capcom and uh, just make the same game over and over again. They uh, gave, they did some pretty decent switch-ups with each release. With no, they uh, the second one, that they uh, added the whole... After it makes speed boost thing and bigger levels, and with a three, of course, they added the partner system. No, I'm I'm glad that they changed up the formula. I'm just saying that it, it kind of was even in like I said, it's it's another mindset thing that first off, people weren't paying attention to the to the portable ones anyway, but. Whenever you get that number three after it is just when I think everyone starts to check out. Plus, it was starting to get close to the... Wasn't that pretty close to the end of the um, GBA's life cycle? I think so. Yeah. It was kind of cut short by the DS. Yeah. Nintendo released that that early in its lifespan, like four years. I kind of remember playing Advance 3 on the DS more than I did playing it on the, the Game Boy Advance, so... Yeah, even, Wikipedia even, says it sold 1.5 mil, according to Wikipedia, 1.5 million. Yeah, that's what Wikipedia is saying. I don't Sonic know Advanced where they're getting it from. Really? THQ reported it sold 1.5 worldwide, I guess, but huh. THQ... Well, that doesn't surprise me. Sonic games were, were selling pretty well at the time. Yeah, I mean, but the, even Sonic that. Heroes sold something like 6 million across all three platforms. Yeah, yeah but that was, that was the first new console Sonic game... In a long, long time. Well, it was so. the first multi-console Sonic game, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I, I, I just kind of feel like that that particular one always gets overshadowed, even like compared to its two younger brothers. So. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I guess... Well, um, Sonic Rush I, was awesome. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, it wasn't. But what up? Going to Sonic Advance for one quick sec. Um, it was not. Um, Sonic. The one thing I noticed, and uh, GX, you're gonna you're gonna hate this, but um, going at looking at the box art for a second. Uh, Sonic. <laughs> as Advance. long as we don't give it letter grades. Um, Sonic Advance. <laughs> uh, Sonic Advance two and three. We started to see kind of like the more childish looking art there on with Sonic's. I'd give Sonic, it a C minus. Sonic well, Advance was... 2, Sonic has that dopey Sonic Heroes grin, and then Sonic Advance 3, he is, he looks cool, but then Tails looks all chibi-like, so I... That's well, it's what all I just character art. It, it's they, All they did <laughs> yeah, for the box art there was just take the character art and slap it on, slap a color in the background. That's about the extent of effort that they put into making those ones. So Kind of make it all a little more childish, I guess, for this Game Boy audience, it, it... but the game, just the look. <laughs> marketing I, I think that's just the way that it was starting to go at that point i mean yeah. it, there was there was a lot of flux at that time there was a lot of different ways that they were trying to pull the franchise and i mean i wouldn't say sonic heroes had a sonic that was super tall but that was just was that before shadow was it was all this still before shadow or during i believe this was during After shadow, shadow uh, I'm, After I'm Shadow was Sonic Adventure. Well, I mean, the character or the game? The, the game. game. The game. Oh, the oh game. yeah, it was before Shadow. Then I'm guessing that was just before they were, they started to pull things into that complete other direction. I mean, that, that just might be an issue, a situation where it's a difference of company making it. I don't know entirely who developed the Sonic Advance art for that. It's yeah, it was funny cuz Sonic went Sonic first went multiplat. Sonic Heroes had like that kind of childish like they were going back to the whole kind of little kid like atmosphere. And then Shadow the Hedgehog they're just like, "No, let's go in the opposite direction." And then they made <laughs> Shadow it totally the Hedgehog was, it was Shadow weird. the Hedgehog was just marketing driven. That that is the yeah. only reason why Shadow exists was because yep. the market thought that it wanted it. And Shadow <laughs> the Hedgehog was really really horrible. It was. I, yeah. I don't think we need to argue that because I think that's just a universal constant. <laughs> now, while we're on but, the uh, subject of uh, the Sonic Advance series, Sonic N, has anyone played that? Uh, on the mean... Engage? Yes. Oh. Yes, I have no. played that. I used to have an old, really old Engage that I didn't use for <laughs> I, I phone played, uh... for gaming because it was on clearance. I got all the games on clearance. But that was <laughs> that's basically Sonic Advance One again. On the end gauge, yeah. Yeah, except with a tinier screen. The very narrow screen. You, if, you thought, narrow. If, if you thought it was too close up before where you couldn't see anything, try playing it with the sides cut about 25 to 30%. <laughs> and then you really can't see where you're going. And, I remember but, uh, the end gauge. When that came out, everyone thought the Nintendo systems were done. Not everyone, but Nokia thought Nintendo systems were done for, and then boom. Of course, Nokia. Nobody bought an end gauge. Yeah, I know. I remember I was super excited for it because I wanted a handheld that could do that could do 3D graphics, and I was looked like bored with my Game Boy Advance. It looked horrible. It looked like a giant taco. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Hey, it did not look like a giant taco. It was awesome. It looked like a giant taco. I mean, tacos are awesome. I'm not going to argue that, but you know, tacos are awesome because you can it. eat them. Yeah, it was my it was my first cell phone, and it kept it was like holding holding a taco to your ear. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, so also consensus taco memories. Also invented the amazing uh, side talking craze. Yeah, I remember uh, those. That mem. 
since we're since we're getting into an edge gauge discussion, I think that I'd like to try to wrap up the whole uh, Sonic Advance series by saying, at one point they must have they must have actually liked what they did with Sonic Advance because Sonic Pinball Party actually the stages that it drew from that were literally all the Sonic Advance stages. Don't don't <laughs> tell me I'm the only person who played Sonic Pinball Party. No, I definitely played that. One. That was a pretty decent one. Okay. And it okay. had knights in it too. And it, Sonic well, the had, Amigo. At nights it had the Sonic Amigo, and then all the Sonic stages were based off of the levels of Sonic Advance One. It's funny that is... was, for some reason, despite that being a quality game, they made that a Target exclusive for the longest period of time. That and that and then um, actually the one I currently have is one of those combo packs where it has Advance One and um, Pinball Party. So. Just yeah. they they must have liked it enough to uh, make a pinball game off of it. <laughs> or alternative, alternatively, they just had all these assets on hand. Assets no, it was an asset thing. On hand, and they just uh, used them in the pinball game. Yeah, that nah, makes the most not, sense. Nah, <laughs> it wasn't really assets that they recreated there. So whatever. All right. Well, this uh, show got managed to go on a lot longer than I thought, considering what lack of news we had this week. Uh, yeah, it just goes to show you how long four Sonic fans can talk about this stuff. <laughs> really? You, right. Never yeah, listened awesome. to my show yet. <laughs> hey, yeah. Thank you very never much. Uh, what are you knocking over now, uh, Alex? Nothing, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> stuff is going down at Knuckles' place. Anyway, thanks yeah, I'm for having, this. I'm having a sexy party. Oh, I'm having a wild party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Nice. That cracked me up a good bit. Yeah, because sexy party. <laughs> hey, that's yeah. from, that's from Family Guy. Anyway, sexy's not a bad word. Yeah, come on. Anyway, yeah, okay, okay. To wrap this up, uh, this has been Jason, along with Knuckles eighty seven. Ah, goodbye, goodbye. And guys. say good, peace out. And GX Akina. Yo. <laughs> All right, Fred, thanks for listening in. You can always comment right here on the Sega Bits website or on the Sonic Talk Twitter right there. Just type up Sonic Talk and search for that, and you'll find that right away. And thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.